Welcome to Heart of a Shepherd, a podcast from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Wisconsin. Now, here's Trinity's Rick Adams, Angela Axtman, and Pastor Carl Leyenbauer. Welcome back again, everybody. Rick Adams here, Director of Discipleship at Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, along with our senior pastor, Carl Leyenbauer. Hi, Rick. And Angela Axtman. Hi, Rick. Always good to be here with both of you, and welcome back, all of you, to the Heart of a Shepherd podcast. Last time, we started off a new uh, book of the Bible that we're walking through, the uh, Gospel of Luke, and so today we're going to actually pick up where we left off. Um, We're going to find ourselves... Tell tell us, Pastor, where we're going to be starting off today. Well, we're going to... Last time we heard about... John being announced. Now we're going to hear about Jesus being announced and very number of similarities between these two stories and the events involved. And uh, then we'll watch things unfold from there. It's really nice that we're doing that. It's really timely um, with the Advent season approaching and, mm-hmm. you know, just having a little bit of extra reinforcing knowledge going into it to um, kind of make it all a little more meaningful, perhaps. Yeah. By the time we get to celebrating Christmas, we will already be refreshed on what it is that we have to thank God for. So, shall we start reading? Yes. All right, we're going to pick up Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? since I am a virgin. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And we'll read a little further in a little bit, but we're going to discuss uh, this part first. Yeah. um, Let's talk a little bit about what what was the relationship like at this point between Joseph and Mary. They were, it says betrothed in the NIV. How How are we to understand that? Yeah, so uh, betrothal is a serious and a public event. So the two of them are bound together in a way that if they were to break that engagement, it would actually require a divorce. So there's a, there's a significance to this, uh, to their relationship that they have here. At the same time, the marriage is not consummated. They're still living separately. And uh, I, I've read before that during this time, Joseph would have been like preparing the house so that he, he can bring his bride home. And so like physically, he's as a carpenter preparing uh, the the place and then when all is set then that will be the the wedding day and then uh, he'll come and Mary will will be his bride 
Uh, but that day has not yet come, and so uh, there's, um, they're still in this engagement period. The virgin birth is integral to the fact that Jesus was born without sin. Right. And it kind of... Did we talk about this in a previous podcast where you kind of theorize that maybe our original sin comes to us through our father as opposed to through our mother, maybe because of this? Yeah, that, that would be the, this would be the, the evidence that <laughs> if you're trying to blame somebody for being a sinner, you blame your dad, not yeah. your mom. Yeah, that's, yeah. but I, I don't think there's a whole lot of practical application to that. <laughs> I guess at the, end, at, at the end of the day, does it matter, right? It doesn't matter. The fact is that we're born in sin, but Jesus was not, and... That's something that belongs to God altogether. And for us to figure that out is not on us. Not really important, right? yeah. yeah. Um, I noticed something interesting that maybe explains why uh, the, the teaching crept into the Roman Catholic Church of why Mary was um, something in another category. Mm. A, and it had to do with um, the Latin translator Jerome, who uh, misrendered the meaning for, there's a, pass, a, a Greek passive verb that means made favored or made accepted that he changed so that it literally meant full of grace, which is why perhaps it got to be, the, the teaching got to be morphed into Christianity that Mary was something more than simply a, a sinful human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a very good reason to me. I mean, <laughs> it could read full of grace, and I would still assume that she was a sinner. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway. Anyway, okay. So, again, we get this similar reaction from Mary that we saw in Zechariah, fear. Mm-hmm. Gabriel, Same angel. Gabriel is much more patient with her <laughs> than he was with Zechariah. But and, then, too, like, Zechariah was an old man, a trained priest, he had a lot of knowledge, and he questioned and the, he the, questioned the but truthfulness of. The she angel. was probably thirteen or fourteen or something, most likely. I mean, very young, and yeah. so not even a lot of life experience or anything. Yeah. So it was very nice to her, really. And how? What? What great and comforting words come from Aunt Gabriel? You know, you have been esteemed by God. You have been uh, God. God has seen your existence and. He wants, he, it's his intent to bless you with this incredible privilege of bearing the Messiah. Found favor with God. So, and, and her life is going to fulfill prophecy from Isaiah, that behold, the virgin will conceive. That's a big, that's a big weight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think, I don't know that I could have even comprehended what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how he, Gabriel uses similar language when he's talking to Zechariah to how he's talking to um, Mary here. To Zechariah, the role of John would be he will, he will prepare the way for, he, he will be a, a prophet of the Most High God. Mm-hmm. And to Mary, it's he is the son of the Most High. Mm-hmm. So two very clearly different individuals are being spoken of here but make no mistake uh, mary's offspring is going to is the most high god who has all divine qualities close connection to i mean it just is intriguing to see that language repeated between john and jesus 
both have this relationship with the Most High. Mm-hmm. John is prophet. Jesus is part of the family, yeah. right? And and what's so cool as we get further into the story is that through Jesus, you become part of the family, yeah. which is so, uh, that's beyond anything we could ever hope or ask for. And yet here it is, comes to us as a gift. It's probably not time to even have this question asked, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You know, how how well did John and Jesus know each other growing up, being cousins? I mean, we don't know. Yeah. God in his wisdom has decided not to include that portion of Jesus's life with us, probably for very good reason. But it, it does lead you to wonder, you know. Travel is tough. I, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to spend a lot of time together Yeah. if you're in, in that day and age. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think they would have been real close, but certainly would have known each other. Right. Yeah. The, the the remarkable piece of this whole passage, I mean, I guess everything is remarkable. We're talking about God <laughs> entering into the world as a human being. But uh, the, to me, what's so striking is Mary's response in the end yeah. that I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That That is, it strikes me as a childlike faith. And we don't really know, but we assume Mary was younger because people were married in their earlier teens. And so I wonder if one of the reasons why Mary responds this way, as opposed to Zechariah, is that she does have a little bit more of that, I'm willing to believe what I'm told. Yeah. When we get further into Luke 2, we're going to uh, discover that Mary's got a wealth of knowledge about Old Testament prophecy mm-hmm. that that is included in her song. Mm-hmm. This is no normal fourteen-year-old girl, and if, if unless she's just speaking out of complete uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, where she's not even aware of what she's saying, which I, I, I guess I believe she's inspired, but I, I want to believe that she also had her wits about her mm-hmm. to know what was happening in real time, mm-hmm. and was able to express it with such incredible faith and, um, and so so articulately is that a word mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah you're, you're right and she she must have been storing up the word of god yeah which there's a there's a lesson for us that even at a young age and in a in a station of life not only a station of life but in a role that was women were often relegated to relatively servant type roles they were not held up in society as even worthy of too much education mm-hmm. 2,000 years ago. But Mary clearly knows her Torah mm-hmm. <laughs> and is able to use that to give a beautiful praise to God. That's a good That's a good point. I just, I mean, reflecting on that, that it's not like God looked around and was like, oh, there's a particularly innocent girl who in a vacuum became somebody special that I'm going to choose. Yeah. She was in the Word of God, yeah. and that reveals itself not only here but also uh, later on in in her life as uh, she becomes an early follower of Jesus. Which... And she had to have incurred a tremendous amount of scorn, in, you know, when it became public knowledge that she and Joseph are not married yet; they have not con- consummated their relationship. She's pregnant, and so you can only assume that. There was a lot of gossip about her. I, I wonder. I I, I, sus- I suspect that God had worked all this out to avoid that. I've heard the the Christmas Eve sermon. That's the 
like here's the unwed mother and we should all have compassion for her because Mary, but uh, it, which we should have compassion on everybody. But the, I don't think that's necessarily true because you have one, you have the trip to go visit Elizabeth. So she's out of town for a while. You have Joseph who takes her home as his wife, but has no union with her. So presumably that's for a significant length of time sure. during which everybody's assuming there could be a union. And then the baby's born in Bethlehem when nobody knows the timing back in Nazareth. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me like God set things up in such a way that okay. he could have protected her reputation, their reputation. Uh, so I, I, I was, I always thought like there's that scene where Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees. I think it's in John eight mm. when they're asking where his father is. And mm. he says, you don't know my father. And then they reply. I always thought it was kind of sarcastic. Well, we're not illegitimate children. Mm. It's almost like a little dig at who they thought he was, uh-huh. like that maybe they knew a little bit of his, what they thought his family history was. Yeah. Well, if we ever get to do John, we can talk <laughs> more about that. But okay. I, I, it's, it's a little different. But anyway, we're at 13 minutes and I got more to read. So okay. Did we have more to talk about here or should I read no, some more? No, go. Keep going. All right. Then we're going to pick up at verse uh, 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So this is the section of scripture that's often referred to as the Magnificat. Yeah. Yeah. The, the song of praise. Yeah. Mary's soul magnifying the Lord, which is kind of a cool language. It's like my soul magnifies the Lord. He gets really, really big and everything else gets smaller. Mm-hmm. I like that language. Yeah. And this, of course, is the reference from the last section we looked at about uh, the Holy Spirit being in the baby while it was still mm-hmm. in Elizabeth's womb, that's all played out there and in that section. Yeah, John recognizes God while he's in the womb. That's so cool. <laughs> and then that the, the Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And she is able to say all of this because otherwise, why would she know yeah. that the mother of the mother The mother of my Lord. What a was, confession of faith. Yeah. 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 It's interesting, too, that um, I don't want to get all... Um, defensive about defending the what what we as Lutherans believe about Mary as opposed to what the Catholics believe. But the fact in verse 46 and 47, Mary herself is saying, 
my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she's referring to the fact that she needs a Savior mm-hmm. is, is an indication that... That she had sin. She had sin, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that little bit. Um, but we do see... Uh, what is, what's the Christmas carol that talks about the humble nature of Mary? I can't... Can't think of it. Maybe it's the humble child in the manger. The words, the words aren't coming. <laughs> I don't to know. Me. You're thinking Mary might be humble, though. It well, like. yeah, because it, don't you kind of see the? I mean, in verse 48, for he has right. been mindful of the humble state of his servant. So she's even acknowledging her own humility, <laughs> calling herself humble. Yeah. And she's right. She gives a little prophecy herself when she says. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. So from for the past 2,000 years, people have held a very high regard for Mary, not only being chosen by God for this purpose, but for the way she handled this office that God has called her to. Mm-hmm. Well, and then she, like, I'm looking back at what, he the uh, what Gabriel said to her originally. She remembered all that, um, you know, as to who yeah. this baby would be, um, and she just shows an incredible amount of humility in what she says. And uh, it's really such a, I think her whole in uh, in the heading. It's called her song. Um, all of us, except for the part about. Carrying the Messiah, we could all we could all sing this song. It, it's a it's a it's a psalm. It's a telling, it yeah, of everything that God has done for His people. Yeah, the whole yeah. time. There's a couple of versions of it too in our hymnal, so we do sing it from time to time, <laughs> literally. Yeah. yeah. But but even just just personally, if you're you know when you're looking, a lot of times we. You can go to the Psalms and pray back the Psalms to God. Mm-hmm. And this would be another okay. prayer back to him, mm-hmm. you know, that any one of us could. It's an interesting, th- there's an interesting dynamic to, especially as you think about that, though, because in my prayers, I might pray that he would fill the hungry with good things, but not that the rich he would send away empty. <laughs> or that yeah, the, the same thing with exalting those of humble estate, but bringing down the mighty from their thrones. I don't necessarily pray that, but there's a, there's an understanding in her, and again, this what you talked about before, this depth of her understanding of the scriptures and of God's purpose in the scriptures to humble those who have exalted themselves so that Jesus can be the one who is exalted. And, and just as Jesus born of low estate is going to be the one who sits on the highest throne of the heavens. uh, So also so many who are humble, like Elizabeth Barron, it may be mocked, whatever the reproach that she referred to, and Mary, they're, they're exalted by God. And um, it drives home teaching Jesus will give us later in this gospel. But my goal as a follower of Jesus, as uh, the head of my household, as a, a shepherd, is not to strive to climb any ladders here on earth. It is to put myself at the bottom, to be the servant, to be the one whom God delights in and wants to exalt, even if that's not what mankind would look at or would see. I see also for us an example in Mary when it comes to submitting yourself to the will of God. It means you're also relinquishing or surrendering the right to know and understand how this is all going to work. 
she just it's to say that she takes things one day at a time is almost an understatement mm-hmm. because how can she get her head around the fact that God's working this out without the fact that she's lost her virginity at this point mm-hmm. it just it's absolute trust and it's such a great lesson for us too because by comparison our uncertainties and our questions seem to pale to hers <laughs> and yet we we just demand i want to know i want to I, I want answers <laughs> i want to know how this is all going to work out and clearly that's not how god operates yeah. the other thing i think is cool if you look at verses 49 and 50 if you really want to call this a psalm of mary or a song it's a technique that is used in the psalms where it keeps switching tenses it goes from past tense mm-hmm. to future tense so 49 is past tense in the NIV, it says, for the mighty one has done great things for me. So that's past tense. Holy is his name. But in verse 50, she switches to present tense. Mm-hmm. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation. So whatever God has done in the past, as, as certain as it has happened in the past, it's just as certain mm-hmm. to be happening now and in the future. Hmm. It's also really beautiful to take note of God's provision for Mary and how not only did when the angel came and and tried to you know told her twice don't be afraid um the fact that she then went to Elizabeth that she had the opportunity however that happened that she got to Elizabeth who was six months further along in her pregnancy than Mary was and for Mary, who was very young, she had left her family. And if she was pregnant now and betrothed to a man, but it wasn't his baby, probably whether or not she was um, publicly, you know, looked down on in any way, she probably didn't have a lot of confidence to go to another woman and say, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. So she she had Elizabeth and was there. She said she stayed three months. So if you take the six when she got there plus three, <laughs> yeah. she, she could very well have been the there for the John. birth. So she got to prepare mm-hmm. herself mentally um, for what she was going to have to do. Mm. And that's huge. That's a huge gift. Yeah. It's another another way that God is working all, th- all these things out. Like uh, there's a, a phrase, God can't plan the ends and not plan the means. So the end is the birth of the Messiah. The means to get there is going to involve Mary having somebody to talk to when she needs to have somebody she can confide in, having somebody who can help her coach her in childbirth when she's not allowed to be pregnant yet by society. You know, all those things that you're talking about, alluding to, uh, God had a plan for all the details. And so, you know, take heart, listener, as you face the things that you're trying to work through. God has a plan. Verse 51 in the NIV, it says, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. It just seems like this is a, a strange occasion for her to be talking about the mighty deeds of God's arm because, I mean, this is truly mighty, what's happening here, but not as the world would understand might. Right. All the world could see from this is a lowly, frightened teenager, you know, an unwed mother, if you want to put it in the language of today, there's there's no power there, at least not to the human eye, but there's certainly power there when you look behind the curtain, so to speak. 
And it reminds me of just how throughout history, the Christian church is uh, something that, I guess you could almost make the case that the Christian church was instrumental in bringing down the Roman Empire because uh, of how it permeated, the, the teachings of Christ permeated the church and or the, the empire to the point where it, it changed and became a Christian empire, you know, with Constantine mm -hmm. in, what was it, 400, 300? Uh, 313. It just, the, the mighty rulers, the, the ones that sought to destroy Christianity were brought, were brought down and emptied of their power, and the church always prevails. Mm -hmm. And we see this spoken of here by Mary, He's performing a mighty deed in a, in a manger, in a stable. <laughs> it's so counterintuitive to the way the world understands power. And he's going to perform a mighty deed on a cross. On the cross, yeah. And, and then they're going to have Christians who perform their mighty deeds in the Colosseum. Mm -hmm. And so that you, you talk about the church always wins, and yet the church is usually losing. Yeah. <laughs> to, uh, from, from, I mean? from certain perspectives. Right, yep. Yeah. yeah. But you can't be God. I guess the church is, is always losing and God is always winning. That's that's sort of like Paul in Romans 8 when he talks about we're always being led around in this triumphal, triumphal procession, yeah. paraded around like to be killed, yep. sheep to be slaughtered. Yeah. yeah. 53, he has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. It makes me think of in Psalm 34, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And again, this is this is food for us to be uh, filling ourselves with as we live our lives in this in this world and in this culture, in talking about households of faith, and even Jesus's words in Matthew six on the Sermon on the Mount. You know, he's telling us, "Don't you know? Don't worry, asking what are we going to eat or what are we going to wear, what are we going to drink." The pagans are the ones that run after these things, but not you. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All of these things are going to be added to you as well. And it's as if Mary was already preaching that sermon mm -hmm. <laughs> in, in these words in verse 53. It's great. Yeah. And it's, it's, this is all a hint of what's to come. Yep. As we get further into the gospel, we will see uh, all, all these things fulfilled in various ways in the ministry of Jesus. Well, when we started this podcast, we weren't sure we were going to get this far, but we did. So good work, crew. <laughs> good work, everybody. A little pat on our back. <laughs> and our time is up for this podcast. We, uh, we're hope you're, we hope that this is proving to be beneficial for you and your walk. We hope that as you're tuning in that you've got your Bible in front of you or that it's driving you to your Bible so that you can be looking at, reading, and consuming these words with us. And we just pray that God would continue to watch over you until we meet again in the podcast room. Until then, on behalf of Pastor Carl and Angela, bid you a, a good day in the Lord, and we'll see you back here next time in the Heart of a Shepherd.